among all the posts I had, there was one mentioning U.S. writing. And I was super intrigued in that moment because I had no idea that that position actually existed. This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. Hello and welcome to Writers in Tech, a podcast that is brought to you by the UX Writing Hub, which is an online education platform for UX writers and content designers. So we have a weekly newsletter, we have a weekly blog post at the UXWritingHub.com, we have the podcast Writers in Tech, we have a free UX writing course that I recommend all of you to check it out, and that's about it. So my name is Yuval, I'm the founder of the UX Writing Hub, and I bring the most interesting people from our industry to talk with me about everything UX writing, and today we have a fantastic guest, and her name is Alexandra Spark. Alexandra, how are you? Good. I'm excited and happy to be here. I'm happy to have you as well. We had some technical difficulties this afternoon, so now we're better. So first of all, tell me a little bit about your background and how did you end up choosing going into the field of UX writing? Okay. So academically speaking, I have a bachelor's in advertising and a master's in advertising and PR. I started out working about 10 years ago while I was still in university, and my first role was as a content writer. After about two or three years, I moved on to become a content manager for an e-commerce platform. And then I moved to technical writing for a medical data migration software for five years. I've also held some other positions and done a whole bunch of other creative projects in this time frame, but I think they're less relevant. One of my quirks is that I am an aerialist, particularly I perform on aerial silks. And starting January, I'll also be a teacher. Yeah, that's fun. That's awesome. I always find it fascinating about like the different backgrounds of people that's getting into the field of UX writing. Yeah, it's actually one of the things that gave me enough confidence to go out for the things I want in life. It's really been a super positive influence on everything that I do. Yeah. And that brings me to you. Like in what way? Like did being an aerialist help you to create better decisions for your career? So besides the fact that it gave me the confidence to go after what I want, I also learned disciplined with it. So it's not one of the easiest sports or performance arts that you can do. What is it exactly, by the way? Aerial silks is a circus performance art. So basically you have two pieces of fabric hanging from the ceiling and yeah, you climb high (laughs) in some cases up to 10 meters or even more. And you make a bunch of poses and shapes using the fabric. You tie it around your feet or your hands or around your body and you use your whole body weight to, yeah, you work with your body weight. Which is physically challenging in addition to being a bit scary as well. Yeah, I mean, you start out with the simple things and maybe not 10 meters high, but once you get the hang of it, it's pretty simple and it's like... I know for me in particular, it gets me closer to a meditative state when I'm doing it because I'm so focused while I'm there and yeah, I get on the silks and nothing else really matters, not my problems, not whatever is going on in my life. So 
Yeah, it's been a super positive influence. Sounds like a good state of flow, basically. Yeah. Nice. The reason I said scary is because I once watched this movie, Batman Forever, where in the 90s, they have this scene when Robin's parents and family are doing this aerial circus thing, and then yeah. the bad guy is taking the nuts uh, off. And I, I think he's a trapeze artist, if I remember correctly. Ah, okay. And it's not the same thing. It's not, but if it, when you say aerialists, you like take everything into account. All right. So let's talk about a bit about the connection, about how specifically being an aerialist helped you to make decisions related to UX writing and changes in your career, basically. So one day back in late 2019, I was on the bus going for my job and I fire up Instagram where I follow all of my aerialists. So where I find the most inspiration for what I'm doing and among all the posts I had, there was one mentioning U.S. writing. And I was super intrigued in that moment because I had no idea that that position actually existed. So it got me to digging for any information I could find. And that's how I uncovered your podcast along with others like Writers of Silicon Valley. That's how I discovered Medium. And that's even how I found all the books I want to read now, or I am currently reading. But nice. it was just the way that everyone talked about it that was so inspiring. And it finally felt like I found a place where I could use all of my skills and not just the writing. So at the beginning of 2020, I went through a 50-day UX writing challenge. And I felt great, honestly. I really enjoyed working with those limitations and the fact that I had to consider the user's context and feelings. It was a really big difference from my technical writing job where I would get assignments to write documents that were 80 pages long and solely based on testing the feature and talking to subject matter experts like engineers or product managers, you know? Yeah. But then, yeah, the pandemic hit and I was super anxious about making a big career change. So I just buckled down and kept, yeah, kept on doing Ariel Silk. And I kept on being a technical writer until one day it just clicked for me. And I said, yeah, okay, I don't want to wait anymore. This is important. This feels so right. It feels almost like it felt with Ariel Silk when I first started out because I really, 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 really wanted to do this. And yeah, Q2022, I planned out my entire year to go through with this career change. That's awesome. And how did it go for you? I won't lie. It wasn't extremely easy because at the same time, yeah, I had a full-time job. I was also going through teacher training for Ariel Silk's and going through the UX Writing Academy. And I, I like planned everything so I wouldn't miss any deadline that I had on like submitting my assignments. And yeah, just trying to keep up with everything and read and like explore all the options I had. It was pretty difficult, but extremely rewarding. I mean, I'm happy that I went through with this and yeah, it's been a hell of a ride. This program, first of all, the UX Writing Academy by the UX Writing Hub, so first of all, it's very intensive. So I don't know how you kind of did it in the same time doing another course, which is about being a, a teacher. 
It's pretty insane. In addition to a full-time job. Yeah. So it was a year of sacrifice. I didn't go out or say yes to like so social engagements for the most part of this year. But it everything like piped down and got a bit better after I I quit my job and started working only on the things that I wanted to work. I could take more breaks and feel well well rested <laughs> and no more burnouts. That's good. So how long have you been uh, available since like when did you left your job? Mid-August, so almost four months ago. But I had a lot of work to do because, yeah, in addition to finishing the course, I also had a real industry project at Mangafy. And I'm also working on bringing an app to life for the Aerial Silk Studio. I really took the opportunity of the Content First Digital project to make something real and something that I, I could pour my heart and soul into. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> That's so cool because like while we have the UXVN Academy and there is like the Content First project, my goal is always helping people with building uh, digital experiences. And if you take this knowledge and helping your studio to build a digital experience, that's pretty awesome. Are you planning to, to actually build it using like the tools that exist out there? Yes. So <laughs> it's funny because I'm also a UX researcher, a designer and a team lead and a product <laughs> manager at this point. And yeah, I would have to work actually scratch that. I'm already working with a software developer to build the app and I have two manual QA testers who want to help me out. I also have access to some Hungarian translators. So because yeah, part of our demographic speaks Hungarian. So we want to be available for everyone. And yeah, we have to do localization. So what was your process for building this app? And what is the phase that you are on right now? So process, okay, since I've never done this before, I took basically I took the steps we had in the assignments and I started doing research and yeah what type of research so I started with competitor analysis to try to figure out if it would be a good idea to make make it a mobile only experience and I looked I tried looking for studios that had apps I only found five. So I really got, got to look very deeply at what kind of features they offered, what the interface looked like, what it felt like. And yeah, after that, I moved on to conversation mining. So I could get a feel of how everyone in the aerial community like talks to each other because yeah, the, this community is very patient, they're very kind, they're super focused on, on safety and they always give like proper advice. For example, you want to go outside and rig in a tree, which is kind of frowned upon. They still help you find the safest way you can do that because yeah, branches can break and it's a bit dangerous. But I also looked at how people interact with our studio or how even how like the head of the studio speaks because I was already in teacher training I already had kind of idea of what the 
tone and the voice should look like and feel like. So that helped a lot. After that, I wanted to like confirm that I'm solving real business problems. And so I went on to do a stakeholder interview to find out what all the, I don't know, the tasks that take most time to do and could be automated for the administration, for example. And what are the biggest pain points that users reported with Okay, the system we use, it's a bit complicated because currently we have, we use WhatsApp to talk to each other. We use Google Keep to like share poses and there you can also take notes. We use something completely different for booking and the experience for the booking app is not intuitive at all. So we wanted all of these features to kind of be brought into a single system so users wouldn't be have to, wouldn't have to be sent in a million different directions for everything they need to know or for their interaction with us as a business and yeah after finding out some of the biggest problems from the owner's perspective i moved on to do a survey with i think i had maybe 30 people from our studio who are currently students and really got into what they like about using the current systems, what they don't like, uh, any ideas that they would have for like future features <laughs> we could implement. So it wouldn't be, okay, we did this and that's it. We're not going to work on this anymore. So we'd like to expand on it and make it even better and grow it more. And then we got to actually thinking about structuring and going through like the information architecture for the app and trying to see maybe the all the possible pathways a user can take in the app and then i actually started working in miro and building the sitemap i used the card sorting board to like figure out where everything goes so it was a whole lot easier to like design the sitemap afterwards. And yeah, after that, I think I just started building the app in Figma. So I made some, I think, 30-something screens. I got the sign-in page, sign-up process, the entire sign-up process, the onboarding, and first steps you would take into booking a spot in a class, for example, emails included. So that took me, I think, about a month to finish. And once it was done, of course, we had to test the copy. And I did just a quick A-B test with seven, maybe seven or eight students. And they had really great feedback. I Honestly, I think it was the best decision. I'm going to A-B test everything because they really pointed out some things that I had ingrained, like some terminology that was a bit jargony and maybe for first-time users, wouldn't it wouldn't have been clear enough or like how to shorten some phrases without losing the meaning. Yeah, the girls were amazing <laughs> when I tested. And after that, I took a bit of a break to try to like figure out what the next steps were. And then I started discussing with the software developer who helps us to see like what's the 
technical solution that we could use and try to figure out how to make this an easy process for everyone. Right during these conversations, we both kind of realized that doing a mobile-only app was not, maybe not the best solution. And instead, we decided on going with a responsive web app. So basically, you just use the website. It would still have push notifications, which are important to have. And the flow could still be the same, but with the added benefit that we can integrate and improve the website that currently exists. In this way, everything would be for sure in one single system rather than having a website and separately a mobile app. So you have a developer. Yeah. It is also an area that I assume? No, he, the developer is actually my boyfriend and he shares my passion once to <laughs> help me out with this. And it's also a good exercise for him too. That's awesome. So now it's built already? No, we just started. So the environment is set up and a couple of screens have been done. But now I have to like rethink the architecture a bit to like include all the information that's from the website and make it as seamless and frictionless as possible. And then deciding again what information stays open for users who don't have an account and what goes only in in this part and like in the if you have a, an account already made so i made like a mini content style guide that also helps but yeah with the development it's gonna it's gonna be a bit slower no one's in a hurry now so i'm hoping that maybe by the end of next year we'll actually have it up and running there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of do and i have a lot of responsibility on my own shoulders and Pair that with a job and teaching again. I'll have to like work on this when I can and how I feel like. If you try to look for those features that you've built in like no code apps, like I don't know, currently for booking meetings, connected to like another website, connected to, you know what I mean? We tried, but we're also, like, we have a kind of a strict budget for how much the entire system should cost afterwards. And it was simpler to go with the solution suggested by yeah, the software developer. Nice. Sounds like a really interesting project. Everyone's excited for it. I am excited for it. So we're hoping to build it as soon as we can. So what's next for you when it comes to UX writing? What are you currently, what's on your plate? For now, I'm just happy that I finished my portfolio and I can start applying for jobs. The portfolio part for me wasn't particularly easy because it took two months, maybe a bit much, but I had a very specific idea of what it should look like and feel like, and I created my own branding for it. And yeah, it's I'm super proud of it for how it turned out, but I also wasted a lot of time like going through the myriad of possible website so website or portfolio builders that are out there. I think I've been through 13 in total. So that would that's what took most of most of my time. But yeah, now that that's finished, I'm gonna keep working on the app for the Arial Silk Studio. I'm gonna start to try to find a full-time position. But I also have another 
project lined up to like redo the information architecture for high school website for my hometown. So I'll be plenty busy. That's good. So you're starting like doing some freelancing? In essence, yes. But I would really like to go for a full-time position soon. So now that you have some projects, you have your portfolio going on, you have really industry project, what will be your next steps to land that dream job? I approach job hunting like with everything else in my life. I start with a research phase. So I look at what's out there, what the requirements are and trying to like, when I find something, I'll try to connect directly with hiring managers. And maybe if I have an idea for an article or something, just pitch it to them, maybe right around the time I'm applying as well and maybe get their reaction or to see how they feel about some extra work being done for for this job. I love this tip. It's like it's not being passive about job application, but how to get the attention of the people that are actually hiring. I think it's very smart. Yeah. All right. So we are going to do something interesting because you know I believe in you and I know that Appreciate we're going that. to hear wonderful <laughs> We're going to hear wonderful stories in the near future from you. So what I would love to do is to do a follow-up episode in one year from now, where we will talk about your journey. And, and then we could have a really interesting, you know, angle about what happened in that year. So I no pressure, no that. rush. Okay. And so that's about it. Alexander Spark, the aerialist that building apps for aerialists as well. <laughs> and first of all, I have two last questions for you. The last one, the second last one would be, you talked about a lot of different books and content that you, that you read lately. So what's your, what was your favorite piece of content from the last few months? One is strategic writing for UX that I actually just finished reading. It was very nice read, super well explained, figures made a lot of sense and everything was tied in together nicely. And it also was the only place I've actually read about metrics and measurements that are used in UX writing. I found that it was a bit difficult to find this kind of information before. And yeah, something that's a bit easier to read, but super important for UX the design of everything, everyday things. I just mm. started rereading cool. it because I took a break from it when I realized that I should have taken notes. <laughs> so I started again, full on taking notes from it and trying to like learn as much, much as I can. Nice. But That's yeah, yeah. Among these, I don't know. I have a over a hundred books saved by now that I want to read. Like nicely said, or don't make me think, or nudge. Just enough research or microcopy. I know there are a lot of things. There are a lot of books, good books out there that we as UX professionals should go through. Not necessarily. At the end of the day, a lot of UX folks haven't read all of the books. And it's not the quantity of the books you read. It's the quality of your reading, in my opinion. I used to be that kind of person that is like, oh, I read that book and I read that book and I read that book. But then looking back... I didn't actually 
I read it, but haven't learned through it. And learning a book is a different story than reading a book. It's like writing notes is actually learning. It's reading and rereading and rereading until you actually get it and getting back to your notes after a few months or weeks. So I prefer to have like two solid reads in one ear that I learn from than, you know, like trying to get like 10 different reads in one ear and then, mm -hmm. you know, looking back. I haven't actually learned anything. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Because if you don't learn from them, then what's the point of reading? Stylus saying, hey, I read that and I read that and I read that and I read that. You know, look at me. I'm a reader. Yeah. <laughs> But other than that, nothing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Other than that, um, I really read a lot of articles on medium and whatever pops into my newsletters from the Europe, from the UX writing hub, from the UX content collective, from the Nielsen Norman group, user weekly, user research weekly, I think it's called. Yeah. That's cool. So Alexander, it was a pleasure to learn from your journey today. And I want you to help me out here to name this episode. So if you had to name this episode, how would you name it? Naming is a, isn't exactly one of my strong suits, but I don't know. If it's supposed to be something catchy, I'd name it flying into UX writing or something like that. Because, yeah, for me, aerial silts is the closest feeling I get to flying for real. Mm. So, I guess. So, flying into UX writing or flying, that sounds good. And let's do it also like flying into UX writing part one. So we could have part two. Okay. Right? Yeah. Sounds good. Awesome. Hey, Alexander, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you too. It's, it was fun. Amazing. Pleasure to have you. Pleasure to see you as always. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Writers in Tech. My name is Yuval Keshnecher and I'm the founder of the UX Writing Hub. And I want to invite you to check our website, theuxwritinghub.com, where you could find a weekly newsletter, a free UX writing course, a blog post every week, a podcast once in every two weeks, and a lot of cool cats. Anyway, see you next time. Ciao.